just like most episodes, this one contains strong language. Who are Kenyatta and Jack? We're just friends who are Gen Xers, former Air Force brats, parents, taxpayers, and citizens of the Earth. And we're here to save it one podcast at a time. Hey, listening friends, it's Editor Jack from the future here. I just wanted to give you a warning that for whatever reason, when we recorded, the audio was a little off. My audio is way high. Kenyatta's was way low. I've tried to correct it as best as I can. I don't know what's going on in the last month and a half. The audio quality of Zoom has really gone downhill. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. Anyway, enjoy. Do you remember the 21st night of September? You should, because it was just a day ago. But today, you have us. Who are we? That fine fellow over there is Jack. And with him is me, Kenyatta. And we're here, back doing the same thing we always do, because we love it. And we're glad you're here with us again today. Jack, my friend and partner in crime, how are you this evening? I'm I'm doing okay. I'm I'm just sitting over here befuddled because you called me fine, and I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> oh my good lord! Let me talk to your wife real quick. <laughs> I, I am thrown for a loop here. <laughs> oh my god! No, seriously, I'm doing okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just Here's- you know, befuddlement in the world. Befuddle. I always like that word, befuddle. But. Here's a fun fact about the line I just opened up with, which is from the iconic song September mm. by mm-hmm. the Elements, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Did yep. you know one of the co-writers of that song, I believe her name was Allie Willis? I didn't know that. She was a co-writer for quite a bit of, of songs back in the day, and she was a co-writer for the Rembrandts, also iconic I'll be there for you, which if you've lived it all during the last 20 years, you'll know it as the theme song to wildly popular friends. Yeah, that that show kind of did all right. Had just a little bit of success for NBC. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it It was, it was, you know, somebody watched it. So yeah. 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 The cast, you know, they, I hear they made out financially okay from that. Yeah. Yeah. They do all right. They do all right. They manage and that's cool, because that's all we can wish is, you know, to manage and be comfortable and um, ready right. for emergency. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm sure that it was nice for them to, you know, not live paycheck to paycheck anymore with the royalties from that show. Indeed. Us, on the other hand. <laughs> right. We're real people, so, you know. Yes. And if any of the cast of Friends is listening to the podcast and you would like to sponsor us, please reach out. Talking to you, Dave Schwimmer. <laughs> yes. Talking to you, Jennifer Aniston. Indeed. Moving right along. <laughs> yeah, we, we need to stop talking about her. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. But, uh, as we always do, we've got our WTF 
uh, moments for the week. And as we've said pretty much since the beginning, now that we're 40 plus episodes in, we seem to have no shortage of these, these particular kinds of stories, though. None, none. I was uh, actually hoping today that you would be cool if I changed my WT up just a smidge and called it the chickens are coming home to roost. Indeed. Please do, because I always love examples of this. I'm ready. So, I feel like maybe the walls are starting to collapse on a certain former president's criminal endeavors. Because there's about eight or nine things all happening all at once. And, wow. And then also, I think they're uh, going to the judge that's in their pocket, Eileen Cannon, may have backfired because I don't think they were expecting the special master to take the job seriously, maybe? I don't know. Oh. But my gosh, is that dude not taking any crap from the Trump team. I mean, he literally told them, you cannot have your cake and eat it too. Nope. Because they were all, well, we can't disclose this because we may have to use it for a criminal defense and he's like you requested the special master so yeah you're gonna have to disclose this and if you can't do it it's gonna be considered classified end of story and i was like finally finally because remember trump declassified them just by thinking about it i know i know the cool thing yeah. is is biden thought about it still being classified but he thought about it before he retroactively thought about it, so it was never actually technically declassified. Correct, because Biden uh, committed what we like to call a time heist. Yes. And he went back in time to go ahead and classify. He couldn't reclassify him because he had jumped ahead. So he had already, he had actually doubly classified them, and therefore there was no opportunity to declassify. Right, right, yeah. And apparently Obama did the same thing. It was like, you know, there's going to be some records, and I'm going to slap a second uh, classification on them, so we're just going to duplicate their classifications. But Trump didn't know that Obama had done that, so he only declassified half of their classifications. Correct. The other part was still there. Yes. But And they did this all while sleeping. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just <laughs> thinking about that, I mean, really, dude? But... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, between the New York AG, apparently the Georgia AD, AG is about to drop some indictments, and there are, what, three different Justice Department investigations that could have indictments, and I just feel like the chickens are coming home to roost for this fella, and maybe, 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 finally he is going to get the justice he deserves it looks like his children are going to get the justice they deserve well except for baron he's not 18 yet and tiffany because none of the rest of the family like her which may be a good thing for her because she's not named in that lawsuit from new york <laughs> have we have we heard from tiffany in the last three or four years have we heard her yeah she was on i don't know one of the Ass Kissing Networks, OAN or Newsmax, I'm not sure which one it was recently, but... I mean, she has to do a little bit. She still probably would like to at least get, you know, a 16th inheritance. But there's not going to be any left, apparently, after the New York AG is done. God bless Letitia James. Sister, if you out there would all do respect, go, sis. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. And since we're talking about chickens coming home to roost... 
I saw this video, but it was on TikTok, so I couldn't, I don't, I don't TikTok very frequently, but it was somebody that went and compiled a bunch of crap from Trump that started in like 2005-ish or some shit like that, maybe even before that. So basically, uh, The Apprentice lost its Emmy to The Amazing Race. And so they started, they had found these uh, tweets and interviews of, so I guess it was after 05 because he was tweeting about it, of Trump's. And you're never going to guess why The Amazing Race beat The Apprentice for the Emmy. Can you say it was rigged? Was it? Yeah, yeah, it was almost the exact same thing. It was rigged. Of course, everybody knows the Emmys doesn't really get the ratings that it deserves or that it should get because it's a, a corrupt organization. And yada. It was the exact same thing, but just replace election with Emmys. And it was the same thing. And I was like, holy crap. And then they went into the 2012 with Romney. You know why Romney lost? Let me guess. It was rigged. Holy shit. You're exactly right. And then, of course... There's the stuff before 16, because the only way Hillary would win was if she cheated and it was rigged. Correct. So. Let me, hold on. Let me, let me suss this out. Every time that something hasn't gone his way, it's because it's been rigged for the other person to win. Right. Yes? Yes. So, technically, that makes that other person and their, you know, teams smarter than him and his team. That's not hard. But it's funny that he doesn't seem to recognize that. Because you have to be really, really, you have to be Ocean's Eleven level type to pull off a rigged election or a rigged anything where votes are involved. You have to have a lot of people. Yeah. They have to be smart people. Well, my, my favorite part of the 2020 election is how... The Democrats were smart enough to rig the presidential election, but not smart enough to go ahead and give themselves a sixty majority, a sixty vote majority in the Senate. Isn't that something? Isn't that weird? Hmm. Because I mean, yeah. if you're going to do it, you might as well go the extra effort and give or, yourself the Senate. Or how it was rigged for Trump to lose the presidency, but somehow the rest of the ballot that he appeared on, another um, along with other people running for office in various states were not rigged. How yeah. Do you, how do you rig the top part of a ballot and not the bottom? Oh. Right. <laughs> and speaking of <laughs> chickens coming home to roost, oh I don't know if this is true or not. I don't. I, I did not go and research this. However, unless somebody went and photoshopped the documents, mm -hmm. then it probably is. Because you know that if you're a lobbyist... In the United States, and you're lobbying lobbying for a country that is outside of the United States or a foreign country, you have to register as a foreign lobbyist. And that is what, uh, was it Roger Stone? Anyway, one of these Trump ass kissers, that's what they went to jail for, was because they were a registered foreign lobbyist never disclosed they were a registered foreign lobbyist. They never went through doing all of that. And that's why that person uh, was indicted and convicted. I, I can't remember who it, who it was specifically. So, you know that because Trump doesn't like to actually pay attorneys for the work that they do... Oh, he doesn't pay anybody, but yes. <laughs> uh, right. And so, in terms of attorneys, 
the varsity won't represent him anymore. The JV won't represent it. And the JV's JV is who he's pulling attorneys from, which if you've seen some of these things that they've done, you that should be obvious. Mm. Well, late last week they hired a new um, attorney who apparently is a varsity-level attorney. Mm. But the only way he would do it was if they paid him $3 million up front. You bet. Which is a smart move on his part. <laughs> the shitty thing is, is Trump isn't actually paying from that from his actual pocket it's from his pack his make america or save america again pact or whatever it is so his people are paying for this not trump you're not gonna believe one of the other jobs this guy has he is a registered foreign lobbyist <laughs> but wait there's more <laughs> is it there <laughs> what's what's the one country that conservatives and Donald Trump always complain that, see, you don't want to be socialist because look at what happened to this country. And they always talk about how socialism destroyed it. New Zealand? Nope, nope. It, it is, a, it is a, a separate continent, slightly south of the continent we're on. Bermuda? <laughs> that would be better. Nope, Venezuela. Venezuela. The dude is a foreign lobbyist for Venezuela, and they have spent since like 2008 bitching about how Venezuela was ruined by socialists. And even though he died in 2013, Hugo Chavez was part of stealing the election from Trump in 2020, which is pretty fucking amazing to do that from, you know, being decomposed at this point. But yeah, he is a foreign lobbyist for Venezuela. Oh. I don't, I... You you can't make this stuff up. Speaking of stealing, if I can piggyback off of your... uh, Go ahead. I was basically done, because this could be an episode all on its own. (laughs) I would would hate it and love it all at the same time. But I'm piggybacking off the chickens, the whole animal farm here. Well, Um, we do have a beef with Trump, so... We do. Um, (laughs) Trump has also accused DeSantos... Uh, the very interesting governor of Florida, of stealing his idea to import immigrants up to the northeastern part of the country. Yeah. Santos stole his idea. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, though, this is the one time that Trump's telling the truth, because I guess he did say that in, like, 2018 or something. I mean, granted... There may be something to it, but why are you bragging on that? Nobody yeah. likes, I won't say nobody likes what DeSantos did. Obviously somebody does, but he's getting, he's getting smacked left and right. Not that it matters, matters to him because he's got his eye on the prize in two years. We are right. Ready. Yeah. Now that's what scares me about DeSantis is he's actually smarter than Trump. I don't even, I don't know if I want to say smarter or just more clever. Well, you know what? He's more of a snake than Trump. And he's better at politics. So yes. That's, that's what's frightening. He understands how this works. Although somebody probably should have told him that, A, the law that gave him the funds to move migrants to other states can only be spent in Florida. And he went to Texas to get these people mm-hmm. that he shipped over. So that was against the law. And then B, if you move people to another state and you lie to them to get them to do it, and then you have forms showing that you were lying about it, that's actually called human trafficking. 
But of course, he and his people have already found a way to explain it as something else. You know they've already worked Right. That's what makes him frightening. He'll do the same heartless, inhumane things that Trump and his people have been doing for years. But he, him and his people are better at trying to explain it away. Right. Because they're more competent at being criminals. <laughs> yeah. Then that's saying a lot. He's more formidable. Yeah. So that's, that's what's frightening. He's, he's somewhere up in that B-minus level of James Bond villain, honestly. Yeah. He's, he's less corny than Dr. No. But probably as bad as, gosh, I can't even think of the worst James Bond villain off the top of my head. But he's somewhere up there. Yeah. He's somewhere up there. And, and I mean, two years is a long way, more like a year. Because this time next year, that's when we hear, start hearing about whatever the GOP is going to serve up for 2024. But that's what makes him formidable. And it's a long, a year's a long way away, but who knows? Yeah. Yep. For sure. Definitely. Well, now that we have discussed chickens, pigs, cows, and snakes, uh, what animal would you like to bring into your WTF? Football player. Ooh. <laughs> As in Brett Favre. And this is, I don't know if you want to call this chickens coming home to roost or some typical, some typical shit in that he has been implicated in a huge welfare fraud scheme in Mississippi mm-hmm. asked the then governor of Mississippi to divert some one million, one, one, one million dollars in change to build a softball stadium at his alma mater, University of Southern Mississippi. Right. Because, uh, you know, he didn't make enough money in his NFL career to do that. Yeah. But yeah, go ahead and do me this little favor. I mean, you know, if you have some extra, you have some pocket change, you know, because you just... Here's my thing, and I'm sure if Parr's people over there right now sweating, trying to figure out a way to get him out of this. But you can't. I'm sure. I, you can't say that he didn't have some idea of where this money came from. All of a sudden, the federal, you know, excuse me, the Mississippi state government has this money floating around, and you have the nerve to be like, well, oh, if you could, are you kidding? I mean, obviously, the greater piece of the blame is going to lie with the governor and his people. They misappropriated misappropriated all that money. But didn't they have far be like, you know, go ahead and slide me some money. And they split him some money for speeches he never did and things he claimed he wants, you know, projects and things he wanted to start that never happened. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what you would call that, but... So, do you know who Trey Young is? I don't know. He, it he's a basketball right. player for the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. He played his college ball at the University of Oklahoma. Uh, but the thing about Trey Young is he's actually a Norman, Oklahoma. It's where he grew up. So he made a huge donation. Uh, I believe he's made one to the University of Oklahoma as well. But he has the Trey Young Family Foundation, and he donated the money. Uh, to build a facility that's called the Young Family Athletic Center. Obviously, Young is from his last name, not... When you first read that, you're like, what is it? You have to be under 30 to, to go? No, it's it's not age. It's, you know, it's his last name. But um, it is being built in Norman, Oklahoma. And uh, it's a place for, you know, family and kids to go. But it also, one of the things is to help with kids with depression and anxiety and PTSD for mental health and, you know, all sorts of stuff. And 
You know how much money he got from the state to, mm. to do this? Mm. If you're saying under a penny, then you would be correct. Because he donated the entirety of the funds for this thing. Interesting. Mm. Um, which, which, so, proves, which proves these things can be done. My thing is, though, again, what, 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 what would have been put into Favre's head to just reach out to the governor and be like, do you have any extra money lying around? What would put the thought in his head to be, to be paid or to have these favors done to him if he didn't have some idea that there was money to be had? Right, right. Yeah, well, yeah, it, it's called entitlement. And I think that, you know, for a certain amount of people, you get to a certain level financially and shit's always just given to you and given to you and given to you, which is ironic because they're the people that least need things given to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think you just eventually start feeling like, oh, hey, this is it. And and so you just are, you're entitled to it. Uh, but I do, real quick, uh, want to offer one correction. He, it, uh, for the Trey Young Foundation, he donated $4 million, but the city of Norman donated 920000 or they approved 920000 but it was to help with the design budget of the uh, uh, of the facility and all of that stuff. So he did get funds from a government to help, but it was not the state, it was the city. And it's supposed to open in six months, so apparently he didn't, <laughs> you know, he did what he was supposed to. So, sorry, I just wanted to throw that in there for a uh, corrections uh, point. But, yeah, on Favre, it's completely entitlement. It is, and and I, sh- I should correct myself as well. It was a volleyball, volleyball stadium. <laughs> Volleyball facility yeah. that he wanted to have built, and the University of Southern Mississippi. I've I've had a drive by tour of that that place. It's in Hattiesburg. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very nice campus. It's 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 literally off of one of the main drags that runs through Hattiesburg. You can see it right. as you go by. It so it looks like it's a gorgeous campus. I don't know that they're in need, or for some reason couldn't afford to build their own freaking volleyball facility. You know, by donations from alumni and all that tuition that the student probably pay. I'm at a loss as to why they need a volleyball stadium. Right. And the things that shitty is, when it comes to rankings in the U.S., mm-hmm. Mississippi's number one at being ranked 50th. You're correct, and I'm glad you <laughs> said that. Because that's, that's the biggest shame of this all, because those monies... That the former governor, because this all happened like back in 2020, the monies that the governor and his associates, you know, siphoned off of was meant to go to social services for Mississippians. And, and yeah, primarily out of the TANF program, which is temporary assistance for needy families. That was yeah. supposed to go to people that, that needed it. And instead, these assholes are going on trips and buying expensive things and, and paying off famous athletes to do to be unneeded things on a campus which does not look like it's suffering right and and not to be shitty and i i don't i don't want it to be like i'm dogging sports or anything like that but i would assume that in terms of the hierarchy of attendance volleyball is probably on the lower end of that and and no i don't i don't take it that way unfortunately it's a sign of the time still that women's sports are under underfunded and underattended. And I guess maybe that's why Favre caught himself trying to do something like this because of that fact. But you cannot tell me, like he's claiming, him and his lawyers and all his people are claiming, 
he didn't know where that money came from. I don't believe it. If it came, if it came from the government, the state of Mississippi, it came from the tax coffers. (laughs) You know what I mean? So there was some program somewhere that didn't get the money it would have received because it was shifted to that direction. Now, I don't know if this, um, obviously the money for social services is not, doesn't necessarily come out of the same pot. But it leads me to wonder if you had that much money going to social services and it was proven, actually it was proven that the governor also received X amount of, of federal assistance for infrastructure maintenance. Explain right. to me why Jackson to this day still does not have potable water. Exactly. In weeks. And yeah. this is not new. They have had problems with the water infrastructure set up for at least the last few years because back in the winter of 2021, the pipes froze. Mm-hmm. Most of the city was without water for weeks again. So this is not a new thing that the system was old and overloaded and breaking down. But what added to this issue was not just the old uh, dilapidated system, but flooding from rains had overloaded it. The whole thing went kaplooey. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. got you got this city, which is eighty percent black, huh, suffering like this for not the first time, and then over on the right side, in the same time frame that they could have been working on this, you have an asshole governor that decided to divert funds and do stupid things because he wanted to make Brett Favre happy. Yeah, and just real quick, Brett Favre may not have known which part of government that money was redirected from. But two things can be true at once. He may not have known, but he still broke the law. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Ignorance is not a defense. You can can spend the money that your friend stole from the bank when he robbed the bank and not know which bank it was that he stole the money from, but that doesn't make you spending the stolen money any less illegal. (laughs) So, you know, that's essentially what happened. (laughs) That's essentially what happened. So there's that story. And, and if I could real quick before I move on, I wanted to follow up on my, my WTF from last week. Uh, sure. About uh, the young lady in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was forced to pay her rapists and assailants family uh, restitution. There was a GoFundMe account that was set up for her. And as of about a week ago, that GoFundMe account has jumped to almost $450,000. That's awesome. That I mean, it's not awesome that she had to have the GoFundMe, but it's awesome that mm-hmm. she's getting the help. Yes. Shouldn't have to clarify that part, but sometimes I feel... <laughs> no, I mean, it is, it's sad that you do, that she shouldn't have been in that position to need that. Right. That's, so. Still, that's the aggravating part. So, I guess if we're done with our chickens coming to roost and WTFing, is yes. there anything else you wanted to add before I, we... I do not. Okay, well, you know what? I think we're going to quickly take a a quick break for our sponsor to, well, talk about them for a second, or us to talk about them, and then we'll be back in just a moment. Hey, listening friends, Jack here, and I would like to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, and that sponsor is Atlas. Atlas is a branding, web development, and content marketing agency. As a business owner, your day-to-day is uncharted enough. From branding and web design to content marketing, Atlas 
will help you navigate this digital terrain with ease. In today's world, social media is a great tool. However, you need to have a concrete, focused plan on how to use it. And that's where Atlas comes in. Atlas can help you navigate this modern digital world. And on top of that, Atlas can also help you with traditional means of marketing. So if you would like to book your free consultation, please visit atlasokc.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-O-K-C.com for your free consultation. And we're back! <laughs> I just scared the crap out of Kenyatta. <laughs> I can't breathe. I can't breathe. <laughs> that was good, though. That was good. <laughs> Listening friends, we call that in the industry a jump scare. <laughs> yes. So it was effective, and I give it an A+. Cool. Thank you. It's been a while since I had an A+. Plus. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Okay, friends. We're going to roll into our, uh, our topic for today's episode. And this is one of the ones, if you've been with us for a while, you know that we've settled to, I guess, a semi-routine of how we, uh, how we like to handle our topics. Um, we'll either talk about current events, um, one particular current events or related ones, or as we're doing today, we dip back in history and we talk about those those events and peoples and places that establish this country and more often than not lead us right to where we are today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's important to go back and find out the road we took to get here. And we're going to start with the ultimate road. <laughs> so um, we promise that we are going to attempt to make this as entertaining as possible because we both recognize that what we're about to discuss is probably not one of the more exciting topics that we've discussed, but we've sort of felt with everything going on, maybe we should just talk about this this little document, uh -huh, uh -huh. this little thing. And uh, Kenyatta, would you like to announce to the world and our listening friends what it is we're about to discuss with them? We're going to talk about the United States Constitution. Yes. You know, that little that little document, the little little pamphlet that yeah, some, yeah. Some, some guys called the Founding Fathers put together to, to be able to establish how this country should govern itself, basically. Yeah, yeah. And before we dive into this, this is literally something that this morning I was I was listening to. So there is a a Christian nationalist preacher that was talking about the writing of the Constitution and how, you know, they intended it to be a Christian document and yada, yada, yada. And they went on to quote former President John Adams, the second president, first vice president, about how he stated that they opened the Constitution Convention with prayer and he heard the most beautiful prayer he had ever heard in his life. And they opened all of them with a prayer, which may or not, the prayer part is may or may not be true. I don't know. I didn't look into it. I'm yeah. sure there was a prayer. Was it everyone? I don't know. Not going to get into that part. But here's the thing. John Adams wasn't a, 
uh, delegate when they wrote the Constitution because he was the ambassador to France and was living in Paris. And there was no Zoom in 1787. Did no one watch Hamilton? Did they not? Oh, okay. Or the HBO special, John Adams? Well, I mean, Hamilton was entertaining far more, so that's why I bring it up. Yeah, well, go ahead. <laughs> but let's just, you know, go ahead and lie with something that can't easily be looked up. <laughs> Google is our friend. So, anyway, I, I found that interesting. So there's that, you know. Pretty <laughs> cool that he was Zooming before there was a Zoom to Zoom. Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Oh, he did a timeline too. Okay. So. Oh, that's... Oh, damn it, I forgot about that. They were all like, Johnny, you're in France. And he was like, eh, am I? I mean, I'm somewhere, or I'm everywhere, all at once. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway. Right? Yeah, so, <laughs> back to the Constitution. So, the Constitution, before the Bill of Rights, is made up of seven articles. It was in Roman numerals, so it took me a minute. I had to go and figure that part out. So there's Article 1, which has 10 sections. Article 2 has 4. Article 3 has 3. Article 4 has 4. I guess Article 5 just has the 1. Article 6 just has 1. And then I'm not sure on Article 7, but then it lists the states that were there. And Rhode Island did not send any representatives to the Constitutional Convention, which was held in Pennsylvania. So we're going to... I don't know... Some of them will probably read the whole thing. Some of them are a little longer and lengthier than others, so we'll probably just hit the highlights of them. Sure. And um, we're we're both, you know, going to read or, you know, discuss. So do you want to start out with the preamble, or do you want me to read the preamble? I will be glad to take a stab at it. Sure, go ahead. So, just uh, for context, this happy document was... Created September 17, 1787. Presented September 28. Ratified June 21, 1788. And went effective March 4, 1789. And it starts as such. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. End quote. Yeah, I would say that's to the point. It is. I wish the rest of this document was as succinct, but I digress. <laughs> I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately... Well, not unfortunately. At the time they wrote it, they probably thought that it was straightforward and to the point. Oh, of course. They just didn't realize that the country was going to become such wordsmiths. <laughs> we could change the crap out of anything. Indeed, indeed. So, yeah, fun times. Oh. Before you um, before you dig in, mm-hmm. um, yes. I wanted to add this in and just keep these things to keep these things in mind as we go through, whether we read in, in, you know, read verbatim or just summarize. So the, the constitution was based on six, six big ideas, so to speak. Limited mm-hmm. government, republicanism, which is a theory of government that emphasizes the participation of citizens for the common good of the community, 
checks and balances, which provides each branch of government with individual powers to check the other branches and prevent any one branch from becoming too powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Federalism, which distributes power between the national government and the state governments. Separation of powers, which is the doctrine of constitutional law, under which the three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial, are kept separate. Also, laugh, laugh. And popular sovereignty. All political power is vested in and derived from us, the people. Yes. Correct. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, Article 1, Section 1. This one is fairly easy. All legislative powers herein granted shall be vested in a Congress of the United States, which shall consist of a Senate and a House of Representatives. Section 2 then goes into uh, the duties of the House of Representatives. Uh, The first, uh, there's a portion on how they started so that, I guess, you know, because it was a new form of government and all of that junk. And so it just lays out what the House of Representatives does and age. Uh, You cannot be elected to the House of Representatives before you're 25 years old. You have to have been a citizen of the United States for seven years. And when elected, you have to be a, a resident of the state in which you are chosen, unlike, say, a television doctor. Uh, <laughs> you know. Anyway. <laughs> and then let's see here. So basically, it just talks about how it's also... Um, the House of Representatives is based on population. They get elected every two years. And then it goes into Section 3, which describes the duties of the Senate. Uh, the Senate of the United States shall be composed of two senators from each state, which is chosen at the time, this has since changed, was chosen by the legislature of each state and for six years. And each senator shall have one vote. It also puts in the rule that you have to be 30 years of age and been a citizen of the United States for nine years. But you also have to be... Uh, a citizen of the state that you are chosen. And then this is also where it talks about the vice president of the United States is the president of the Senate, but shall have no vote unless there is a tie. Or, in the vernacular of the day, unless they be equally divided. Mm-hmm. And then it also goes on, both houses, uh, this is in the Constitution, they get to set the own rules of their own chambers, um, this is why there's a filibuster in the Senate, not one in the House. It's why the Senate has a 60-vote majority for some things and not others. Why the House just has a simple majority. Um, this is the part of the Constitution uh, that allows for that. And then it also sort of talks of some of their duties, like uh, the House of Representatives is where all tax uh, bills have to originate from. Mm-hmm. But the Senate then has the power to approve, as we know, judicial nominees, they also are who the final impeachment is. And not just for a president. That also can include justices and and others. I'm sorry. What are we, what are we waiting for on that? So anyway, uh, there is that. They, each one gets to sort of, you know, set their own rules, which, you know, makes sense that you would, <laughs> you know, want to set your own rules. Sure. And so... The thing is, when you hear somebody say something like, you cannot change this, you know what they can. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that the rules of each house is a permanent 
unchanging, un, you know, always binding thing. They, they have the ability to change anything they want. If the House of Representatives wanted to have a, a huge majority to make stuff pass, they could do that. Mm -hmm. If the Senate wanted to make it 51 votes for every single thing, they have the ability to do that. It's not unconstitutional for them to do that. In fact, it's quite constitutional for them to change it. And perhaps occasionally you need to update and look at that stuff to make it a more rule that fits the modern time frame. <laughs> I would, I would, I would venture to say it needs to occur more than occasionally, especially at this particular point in time, because the kinds of the ways in which the ways in which these kinds of things need to change has not kept pace with how the makeup of this country has changed. You are correct. It, it's it's being outstripped even as we speak, and it's it's a fundamental issue, and that's that's a whole other discussion on its own. But I yeah yeah that's how I so, feel about that. Some things, in a way, are almost moving so fast that you almost couldn't modernize it enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's neither here nor there, I guess. But yeah, no, some of these things need to be looked at, modernized, changed, you know, when happens. And then, uh, so then we'll move into section four. And section four is the times, places, and manner of holding elections for senators and representatives shall be prescribed in each state by the legislature thereof, but the Congress may at any time by law make or alter such regulations except as to the places of choosing senators. The Congress shall assemble at least once in every year, and such meetings shall be on the first Monday in December, unless they shall by law appoint a different day. Which I think they have. Didn't they? No, they, I guess it is still in December, because new elected representatives and senators, they are all sworn in in December. Are they not? Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah, there's there's a lot in this old noggin. Sometimes it all jumbles up. <laughs> no, no, I mean that, no, it's not just you. Sometimes it's hard to keep it's hard to keep track of that stuff. It really is. Yeah. So. And as I was talking in the previous section, section five just talks about how each house shall be the judge of elections, returns, and qualifications of its own members. A majority of each shall constitute a quorum to do business, but a smaller number may adjourn from day to day may be authorized to compel attendance of absent members in such manner and under such penalties as each house may provide. Uh, so basically it's saying that gives them, you know, the various committees that they can have. You know, if somebody, there, each one has their own, like, ethics boards and things that you can and can't do and how they mm -hmm. punish people. And so that's why there can be a difference between somebody doing the same thing, you know, in each house and one of them gets treated differently than the other. It's because they have yeah. different rules and regulations, which, once again, is quite constitutional. And then it also talks about how everything is to be recorded that they discuss and talk about. And let's see. During a session of Congress, shall without the consent of the other adjourn for more than three days, nor to any other place than which the two houses shall be sitting, i.e. the Capitol. And then section six is basically saying that senators and representatives shall, shall get a paycheck to be paid out from the treasury that they get to pass the law on what their paychecks are going to be. I've always found that to be interesting. Um, and then it says here, they shall in all cases except treason, felony, and breach of the peace 
be privileged from arrest during their attendance at the session of their respective houses and in going to and returning from the same, and for any speech or debate in either house, they shall not be questioned in any other place. So basically, if you give up and get up and give some shitty speech from the floor, you can't be arrested for that because you, I guess, piss somebody off or something like that, unless you go up there and demand treason. Which is funny because treason is one of the actual few crimes that is mentioned in the Constitution. And I find it funny that all these people that want their own 1776 moment, you know, and they always say, well, you know, the Founding Fathers would have taken up arms against this government. No, they wouldn't have, because when they wrote the Constitution, a good chunk of those people were the people in the War for Independence committed treason to England, right? And what's one of the few crimes they put in the Constitution? Treason against this new country. So I don't think they would agree with you having your own 1776 moment based upon treason being one of the few crimes in this document. Correct. So anyway, and then it Section 7 talks about how all bills for revenue originate in the House, but the Senate may propose or concur with amendments as on other bills. And then it talks about how every bill has to be passed by both chambers before it becomes a law and then presented to the President of the United States. And if he signs it and does not return it, uh, let's see. Basically, if he signs it, it becomes a law. If he doesn't sign it, it goes back where they then have the ability to, what is it, with two-thirds, they can vote it and then pass the bill, in which case it becomes a law. So anyway, let me say that is very exciting. <laughs> it is. I'm breathless. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I am too, because I'm reading all of this. <laughs> anyway, and then Section 8 goes into uh, that Congress has the power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposes, imposts, and excises, to pay the debts, provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. But all duties, imposts, and excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. So basically, it is saying that if there is, say, federal a national sales tax that originates from the federal government, New York State can't have, say, one of 8%, and Texas has one of 5%. Mm -hmm. If it's set at 8%, it's 8% across the board. Um, and that's one of the reasons why you can get away with a staggered income tax, because while it's tiered, it's tiered equally throughout the country. <laughs> so that's, that's why that uh, is... Uh, can be done. It also gives them the power to establish a uniform rule of naturalization, uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies throughout the United States. It regulates commerce with foreign nations uh, and the Indian tribes. And then it also amongst the several states, which is why you don't have to pay tariffs from if you live in Kansas on something made in Arkansas. Uh, they have the power to coin money, give it the value that it is, they have the ability to fix the standards of weights and measures. So it literally would take an act of Congress to get the U.S. to quit being the only country that uses the imperial system and used <laughs> metric. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, God. That was right? a revolution. <clears throat> it also is given the ability to provide for the punishment of counterfeiting, to establish post office and post roads, 
to promote the progress of science and useful arts. No one has ever said what useful arts are, but I'm assuming that it is not the same as Defense Against the Dark Arts and Harry Potter. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> I might say probably, because you know. Right, you know, right. Who really knows what was going on back then? Yes. Mm -hmm. It also establishes the laws for copyrights, patents, you know, discoveries, that type of thing, to constitute tribal tribunals inferior to the Supreme Court, punish piracies and felonies committed on the high seas and offenses against the law of nations, declare war, grant letters of marquee and reprisal, make rules concerning captures on land and water, raise and support armies, and the interesting thing is but no appropriations of monies for that use shall be longer than a term of two years, which is why there is a yearly military budget to provide and maintain a navy, to make the rules for government and regulation of the land and naval forces, calling forth the militia, laws of the union, suppress insurrections and repel invasions. So see, that's also related to that treason thing. Mm -hmm. It's sort of interesting that people, like I say, <laughs> you know, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And then there's, you know, arming, organizing, disciplining the militia, that type of stuff, providing the appointment of officers to the militia. That, of course, is the whole of the military. And then they also get to create the legislation which covered the district at the time. It was just called the district, not the District of Columbia. Mm -hmm. They also get to pay for the erection of forts and arsenals and dockyards and other needful buildings. And then also, laws that shall be necessary and proper for carrying into execution the foregoing powers and all other powers vested by this Constitution in the government of the United States or in any department or officer thereof. Whew, that was a lot. It was. And, then, and that was just Section 8. Section 9, it's... The privilege of a writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless when cases of rebellion or invasion and the public safety may require it. Once again, note, they didn't want a second 1776. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Odd how that keeps coming up, huh? I would, I would say so. I would, I, would, I would be hesitant. Well, no, I'll take it back. I would be vigilant in making sure that if we're going to be clear about anything, it's that. <laughs> Yes, and then it also points on here that no title of nobility shall be granted by the United States, and no person holding any office of profit or trust under them shall, without the consent of Congress, accept any present annulment office or title of any kind whatsoever from a king, prince, or foreign state. So Interesting. I can't, I can't be crowned queen, in other words. Not no, no. Strangely enough, I guess on a technicality, because you know last... Sometime in the last week or so after Queen Elizabeth died, you know, Donald Trump tweeted that, I guess she tweeted or knighted him in private. Yeah. But I guess it would be okay because it doesn't say anything about being knighted by a queen. <laughs> Technically, that would be his argument, right? Yeah, I'm just checking it out. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, you know, there's that. And then you get to Section 10. No state shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation. Grant letters of marquee or reprisal, coin money, basically all of that stuff. Bills of credit, all of that stuff. However, each state is also responsible for its own individual debt. Uh, you know, I guess that's kind of fair. And let's see. 
And then it just talks about they can't lay levies or uh, tariffs, I mean. And you can't do it with other states. And that two states can't enter into an agreement, basically, or a compact to screw with other states. And they also cannot declare war on other countries. Indeed. So, I know I kind of roughed over that, but I felt like if someone was driving and I was reading that, that could be bad. and Didn't want them to have a Jesus take the wheel moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right. Especially since... You know, Jesus lived before cars, so that could be really dangerous. Did he, though? Yeah, I think he did. Okay, I'll check on that, too. Okay, so... so yeah, now we're moving on. I'm going to let you take over, because I need some some water after reading all of that. Well, I, I wanted to point out, though, in Section 9... Mm-hmm, yes. ...the limits on federal power. The first mm-hmm. clause of Section 9 pertains particularly to slave trade. And that it prevented Congress from passing any law that would restrict the importation of slaves into the United States prior to 1808. Mm-hmm. I find that's I find, true. I found that telling that they were they 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 took the time to spell that out. Hey, we're gonna we're we're still gonna be importing people. You know, right? We want to make it absolutely clear that we're still going to give ourselves the right to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was their God-given right to enslave other people and make money. Mm-hmm. You had to know that. Yeah. You had to know yep. that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to talk about amendments today. And hell, I don't even think we're going to get past Article. Honestly, I don't think we're going to get much past Article 2 because we've already been recording for an hour. Yeah. So. <laughs> we'll, we'll press on, though. We'll, pre- we'll press on. So, so, yeah, let's go to Article 2 and then Article maybe Article 3 and then see if we want to have a Part 2 of this next week. <laughs> I think that we shall. But um, oh, Article 2, well, as Article 1 uh, concerns itself exclusively with the legislative branch, because as, as folks know from your civics class, there are three branches of the government, legislative, legislative, the executive and judicial article one deals with the legislative article two deals with the executive branch which mm-hmm. pretty much is the president and the vice president really yes that's the long and short of that piece so article two to sum it up is as best i can and still makes sense Basically, it specifies that the president will serve as the head of the federal government executive branch for four years at a time as will the vice president. At the time they wrote this, there was no limitation on how many four-year terms until the 22nd Amendment showed up sometime later, and I believe that was... It was after FDR. It was. Let me let me refer to my handy-dandy. That was amended February 22nd, 1951. Uh, the section, or excuse me, in Article 2, the next clause goes into... The Electoral College and how electors are voted from each state and that the number of electors for each state is equal to the total number of representatives mm-hmm. and yes. senators from each state. So the bigger your population, the more electors you have. So on. Correct. Uh, plus, hmm? Just real quick, I've, I'm reading this. Uh, what I have pulled up is from the National Archives. Uh-huh. And it is really funny because the only part of the National Archives 
that is a different color to highlight it, <laughs> you know, shows that something is kind of more important is the whole Elector thing is all underlined and in blue. Mm-hmm. And there's another area where it is on how to remove the president <laughs> and what happens when they die. And it's just kind of funny to me that those are only, you know, recently important. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that comes up uh, in a couple of clauses. Um, third clause of this uh, particular section. Let's see. This talks about basically how the votes will be delivered and counted. Once the election takes place, based on what the electors each state uh, choose to do. And, and of course, the electors are supposed to represent the people. So yes. on and so forth. And um, it also talks about what to do in the case of a tie, which is hilarious. Because I don't, I don't know if there's ever been an instance. I don't do history like that, so I can't <laughs> see off the top of my head. But um, unless you know. There may have been. And I'm trying to think. I'll have to look into that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, What it used to be, and I can't say when it changed exactly. I'm sure it's an amendment somewhere. But it used to be that whoever was running for president, the guy with the most votes won. The guy who came in second place was vice president. Yep. But, of course, what could happen was, you know, there was a tie to to eventually eliminate that kind of conflict. The process changed over time. Yes. Was the 12th Amendment. That altered that particular process. Yes, 12th Amendment, 1804, which would separate the, the signed votes for the electors into two separate ballots, one for president and one for vice president. And that eliminated the problem of rivals serving together as president and vice, which would cause some conflict, I imagine. Well, yeah, because Jefferson was Adams' vice president, and they did not like each other at all. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Um, clause four goes on to mention when an election is when an election is held, as far as the date, and when the electors can cast their votes in their state for president and their uniform in every state across the country. Mm-hmm. Clause five. Yes. Clause five sets the qualifications for an individual who wants to run or serve as president. Excuse me, I should say that right. To serve as president. Namely, that they are at least 35 years old and a resident of the United States for at least 14 years. And they also do need to win a presidential election. Clause 6 talks about the line of succession. What happens uh, in the instance that the president is incapacitated or no longer can handle the roles and responsibilities of office. Vice President over and then so on and so forth down the line. Um, the 25th Amendment does go into further detail about this line of succession as far as guidelines and clarification. Plus, yeah, because I, I believe originally it went President, Vice President, Secretary of State. I thought it was Speaker. Was it that originally? Well, yeah. And then it's since changed to Speaker of the House. Speaker of the House is third. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they did change it. That was actually one of the things that the dude that was the Secretary of State when Reagan was shot. Because he made some comment about how if something happened to uh, the first president, well, at the time he was Vice President Bush, that he was next in line for presidency and he was made fun of because he forgot about things being changed. (laughs) Anyway. Clause 7 
talks about how the president will re- receive a salary that will not be altered during their service term and that they cannot accept any additional money on top of their compensation. Cough, cough. <coughs> right? Clause, clause 8 uh, refers to the president-elect to take an oath of office before assuming the presidency. And if you've never seen a swearing-in ceremony for the president or just don't know, the pledge is, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of the president of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States in my own interest. Amen. Mm-hmm. Second, yes. Section 2 of Article 2 talks about, let's see, establishing the president as the leader, as the leader, as the leader hmm, of the United States Armed Forces, specifically naming him Commander-in-Chief. And in this and this clause also talks about a senior cabinet of officials uh, to be created, and the president's pardon power is given. The pardon mm-hmm. power may not be used in impeachment cases. Hmm. Mm, interesting. Except in the cases of impeachment. Huh. Clause 2 gives the president executive power to sign treaties on behalf of the United States with, count- with advice from the Senate and at least two-thirds support. And the Senate also has the right to let their president appoint officials without their consent or advice if the Senate consider them minor appointments. Mm-hmm. Clause 3 gives the president power to fill vacancies that arise when the Senate is in recess and without Senate approval. And then we move into Article 2, which fairly brief, um, just some other specific roles that the president has, which includes requiring to keep Congress informed about governmental affairs through regular State of the Union addresses. <laughs> Sorry. He can either, he, up, up until this point, it's been a he, can either call, can call either or both houses of Congress to a special session, also responsible for receiving foreign ambassadors that come into the U.S. and can, com- can commission U.S. officers if necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The interesting thing about the... Um State of the Union address is actually it doesn't say that it has to be done yearly. If a president only Ooh. wanted to do one during his four-year term, that would that that would be okay. That's constitutional. Oddly <laughs> enough, it's it's been done. So there's a first. Yeah. <laughs> Article two, section four allows for the removal from the office of the president, vice president, any civil officer of the United States if they are impeached and then convicted of treason. <gasps> there's that word again bribery or other high crimes and misdemeanors yeah and Mm. here's the thing about the impeachment it's not people when they think impeachment generally think the president but no you can impeach Mm -hmm. supreme court justices Mm -hmm. members of the house senators yeah there's a certain fellow whose wife might have uh be part of a say an insurrection Uh, you know there's there's only that sort of thing. I just like to say I've always appreciated the phrase high crimes and misdemeanors. It sounds very... It's, it's filled with a certain kind of gravity, like you done really effed up now. I love it. I love right? It. And But that's also one of those things where it's like, you know, they probably thought at the time that they were being direct and to the point, 
but in 2022, we need to know exactly what constitutes a high crime and a misdemeanor according to this. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's just another example of why it's another example of why I'm, I say that as effective as this was in as a starting point or as a jump off point, I guess you could say, there's a lot left now. It's just so it's so gray, and there's so many loopholes that people can jump through to avoid getting nailed to the wall, and it's frightening. Possibly. Yeah, and it also sort of uh, is sort of an interesting thing at the beginning. You know, at the beginning of the country, when the you know this new government under the Constitution started, because before that was the Articles of Confederation, and when it kicked into effect, and now you have President Washington, and then the members of the Senate. And the House are elected and they started passing laws. The one thing the Constitution never actually did was describe how you put a law that is passed into effect. And that is the beginning of the executive order. So initially, what would happen is they would pass a law and then it would get to Washington and he would like sign it. And then it would be like, okay, well, how do we do this law? You know, how do we put this law into action, into effect? How do we you know, do that. And that was how the, so then you'd get a group of people and they'd read over the law and they think, well, I think this is sort of what it means. And maybe they'd go and talk to the people that did it. And that was how the executive order initially started was, this is how we're going to execute said law. And, you know, it's just sort of interesting because the executive order has sort of morphed a little bit since then, but that was the initial thing of the executive order. So, you know, when people talk about that, and, you know, this document is really was ahead of its time at the time, but there was still stuff they didn't see. And how do you put a law into effect was apparently one of the things they didn't foresee. So, you know, I've, I've always found that somewhat interesting. It, def it definitely is. Excuse me. It definitely is. And that's why sometimes executive orders contradict executive orders of past presidents, because a president will be like, well, you may have think that this means this, but I think it means this. So I'm going to write an executive order. We're going to change it to how I want it to, <laughs> to be. Yeah. That's, you know, that, that which is ties into immigration. That's why immigration is so screwed up because Congress has to pass the laws for immigration. Mm -hmm. Congress hasn't passed any new laws for immigration since the 1980s. Mm -hmm. So every time a president comes in, they're like, well, I don't like how that is. So they just make a new executive order, changing it. And people get mad on both sides when the president does that. To which I say, there is a way around that. Pass a comprehensive immigration bill if it's a little more precise and then it doesn't change every four to eight years. But the thing of it is, there's, there's, there's no point that a majority of either side will ever agree on. That's, that's been the whole problem this entire time. That's, oh, that's what's yes. been so frustrating about this process. Meanwhile, we've got people out here. The vast majority are, are innocent people looking for a better life when, when, you, when it boils down to yeah. it. Yeah. So that's, I can't imagine what it must be like for them. Yeah, which we've discussed several times. Yes, indeed. So, if you allow me, I'll, I'll roll into Article 3. Sure, go for it. Article 3 covers the judicial branch of the government, which basically means it deals with the courts and a law in order. So, brief summary of what Article 3 uh, talks about. Is it lays down the excuse me? Yeah, lays down the framework of the federal government's judicial branch. Ju, ju, I can never say it. Judicial branch. <laughs> <laughs> it contains three main sections. 
The first section uh, establishes the Supreme Court, and we all have heard plenty about them lately. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the court is at the head of the judicial branch of the federal government, and it also allows Congress, this particular section, allows Congress to establish lower courts as needed. Uh, let's see. By actually the Judiciary Act of 1869 that established the current limit of nine Supreme Court justices and has been the accepted number since. Yes. It, it That's sort of one of the things that... Um, when you hear like pundits and everything talk, anytime there is a talk of increasing the number of Supreme Court justices, they always call that packing the courts. Yes. In fact, it is not. It is a duty that the legislative can do. If they want there to be 47 Supreme Court justices, mm-hmm. if they pass that law and the president signs it, that's not court stacking. That's just part of the Constitution. Yep. And then another thing, while, while we're on here, I was reading another article recently, and it was basically talking about how the lower courts, the number of basically judges, that's what the lower court is, judges and all of that stuff, hasn't really been changed or adapted since, I want to say, the article said like the 1920s, which if you think about it, kind of messes with other parts of the Constitution where it says that you have the right to a speedy trial. And so, based on just population of the United States alone, our judicial branch is woefully underjudged. And by judge, I mean the number of judges. Because we are basically double our population from 1920 with Mm -hmm. the same number of courts Mm -hmm. and judges. Mm -hmm. So, you can't have a speedy court. And then when you factor in that they don't promptly get filled. True. So, on top of that, there are vacancies and just courts that are open, thus making the problem even worse. So, I don't necessarily think that it should be problematic for people if, you know, a bill was proposed that said, hey, we want to increase the number of judges by 10%. Or as your population increases, there should be an automatic increase. And that would be better. Yeah, that would be the, the, yeah. the ultimate idea. Yeah. But, again, this is just another example of how woefully behind this document is for where we are now. And granted, of course, they couldn't have foreseen... Right. Well, they couldn't have foreseen how far this country would come. But at the very least, I would have thought they would have made more allowances... To move around in this, you know? Right, but at least there is the allowance to increase it and change yeah. it. There's just yeah. no willpower or right. desire to even attempt it. it. Too many people are, are interested in holding on to what power they have, and they still still in the belief Correct. That. They're and still under the belief that there's... The more you spread around, the less there is for them. And that it makes that makes zero sense, but you can't tell them that. Yeah, and, and also if you were to... I'm just throwing the number up. Add a thousand more judges. You can't just have that be at one time. You have to stagger it (laughs) over like 15 years to give sort of an equal opportunity for people to nominate people to fill those. Because otherwise you'll end up with a thousand Judge Eileen Cannons. God knows. (laughs) (laughs) This particular section also uh, establishes that all judges in the Supreme Court and any federal judges and lower courts 
must hold their offices in good order and that they are entitled to a salary during their service. Yes. Um, and the Judiciary Act also established additional compensation for judges by allowing them to retire with pensions. All right. Section two of this uh, talks about the uh, range of authority the Supreme Court has and also any other federal courts that are established by Congress. And it gives the Supreme Court, establishes the Supreme Court as the final arbiter in cases regarding the U.S. Constitution. and gives the court the final say regarding any law passed in the United States or any treaty established. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Supreme Court is expressly given the authority in all legal cases surrounding things such as ambassadors, maritime jurisdictions, disputes between a state and a citizen of another state, citizens of the same state, in any controversy where the United States is a party. And that's that's pretty wide-ranging and could involve practically anything someone wants to say it is. Hmm. I've, I've always found that concerning. But <laughs> Yeah. Um, therefore, though, the Supreme Court can only interpret the laws of the United States as legal cases arise and are prohibited from creating legal cases themselves to strike down laws or make new ones. I find that interesting as well. Yes. I will not not digress, though. (laughs) Clause 2 talks about how the Supreme Court uh, jurisdiction is over any case involving ambassadors or public ministers, and jurisdiction also can apply where one or both parties in the legal case comprise a state. Clause 3 specifies that any trial other than impeachment must be held with a jury in the state where the offense was committed. And if the crime was not committed in a specific state, the location would be determined by federal law and regulations passed by Congress. Section 3 talks about, wait, wait for it, treason, what defines treason, and how individuals shall be convicted of this crime. But you ask, what is treason? It is clearly stated that treason involves a citizen waging war against the United States, allying with enemies of the United States, or giving any form of aid or help to enemies of the United States. Yeah. Hold on. Here's the fun part. Mm, Go for it. Two witnesses needed for a conviction of treason. An individual can only be convicted of this crime on the testimony of at least two witnesses or by confession in open court. And that confession can only be voluntary and not held, as the Fifth Amendment guarantees us the right. Right. And treason is the only crime expressly defined and addressed in the U.S. Constitution, as has been said, implying that while the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, it is only a basic foundation. Hmm. Hmm. Clause 2 gives Congress the power to determine the punishment of the individual convicted of treason, but the punishment is limited. So only the person who committed the crime, it cannot be imposed on friends, family, or associates of the guilty person, as long as they were not involved. That would make sense when you factor in that several of the people that wrote this were, in fact, people that committed treason against the King of England. (laughs) And they did not probably want their family members to also be punished for that. But honestly, you should be in trouble for your crimes. Your spouse shouldn't be in trouble for your crimes unless they are a part of committing those said crimes. But and uh, that, that is true, though. But yeah, as we have pointed out, 
You cannot want a 1776 moment and claim that the writers and the founders of this country, the writers of the Constitution and the founders, would be cool with that because we haven't even got to Section 4 and how many times has the crime of treason been mentioned? What, three, four at this point? Hmm, just in that last section. Yeah, that was that was pretty spot on. So you, so, can't, you can't say it wasn't brought up. Yeah, so clearly if you're wanting your 1776 moment, you might want to read the Constitution, which ironically enough, the very people that want their 1776 moment all claim that they love the document of the Constitution, and they love America, but they want to rebel against it. That just seems so odd. No, 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 no. Remember, to me. again, they're not rebelling against it. They are patriots. They're reestablishing it. Yes. But ironically enough, to do that, they have to commit treason, which brings us back to this loop of one of the few crimes actually mentioned. It can, it can, <laughs> all, it can only be a catch-22 if they actually believe they're committing treason. <laughs> that is also true. That's the, whole, that's the whole conundrum. They don't think they're doing anything wrong. They may think that. However... <laughs> So they're wrong. <laughs> well, Kenyatta, I think what we're going to have to do is go ahead and make this a, a two-parter. I, I do so. think the rest of the rest of this is shorter, um, and that's really this is really a perfect time to break and to split this in half because we did go through the three branches of government. You did. That's a perfect spot to put a pen in it. Yeah. So everybody, um, unglaze your eyes. <laughs> I jest. Um, this is this is the point. Let's say we were watching Game of Thrones. We are halfway through the season, and this is where you're going to start seeing all the storyline threads start coming together for a spectacular season finale. So stay tuned. That's right. Ned Stark is just realizing there's a little more going on here than he realized that somebody may have murdered John Aaron. Spoilers. Knowledge is not power. Power. <laughs> Is power. <laughs> yes. And so um, I just wanted to sort of end once again. We understand that reading the Constitution and going over it is not the most exciting of topics. But we just sort of felt with everything that has kind of gone on the last seven-ish years mm. that maybe going back and looking over the Constitution is something that is important because all of us have a thought of what's in the Constitution, right? Doesn't necessarily mean that that's what's actually in the Constitution. It's nope. just over time, you hear people talk about it, and then you just assume, oh, hey, that's in the Constitution. And then it's not. Or, in fact, it is, but it actually means something else. It's been completely misconstrued for yeah. nefarious purposes. <laughs> yeah, and so we just sort of thought, hey, let's start over at the ultimate beginning of the United States, and we get the and let's let's sort of go over this and see what what it says about certain things. So if you're listening to this and you're a fan of 45 and you think that your 176 moment is 1776 moment is coming, well maybe now you're going to start to understand that is in fact not what the founding fathers would have wanted to have occurred. And and quite frankly, this is not much of a revolution. So Oh yeah. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, you will lose. They have tanks, folks. <laughs> and on that note, 
listening to <laughs> friends. Join us back here, same time, same bad channel, as we wrap up our review of the Constitution and, and give us some, some related questions about what that means for us right here, right now. That's right, and we will have our WTF moments and talk about some probably batshit crazy things. It's going to happen, so there's that. <laughs> we just had to throw in another animal based on earlier, so... <laughs> Because we, we own a zoo, so that's what this is. All right. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully when you're done listening to these next few episodes, you aren't going ape shit in anger. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. I've been a dad a long time, folks, so dad okay. jokes are just second nature to me at this point. <laughs> but with that, I'm going to say bye. Bye. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review, hit that like button, and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback is valuable, and we welcome it. If you would like to contact, connect with, or just want to see what we talk about between episodes, you can find us on Facebook under our podcast name, on Instagram at K-A-Y-A-N-D-J-A-Y-S-T-W, our website, podpage.com, slash Kenyatta-Jack-Save-The-World, or email at k.j.savetheworld at gmail.com. If you would like to learn about and contribute to our chosen charities, you can do so at Service Dog Project at servicedogproject.org and Black Women's Health Initiative at bwhi.org. Kenyatta and Jack Save the World is a product of Hyper Focus Podcasts.